everyone, to Wavelength, Episode 5, the official Brave Wave podcast. I'm your host, Brett Elston, and once again joining me via Skype... Mohammed. How are you doing this time? I'm fine, thank you. I think it's been uh, maybe a month since we posted our last one, but I think it's just a product of... I mean, for those listening, you may be aware, like GDC, the Games Developers Conference, uh, just wrapped up here in San Francisco. I think you were even traveling a bit in the last few weeks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just uh, just a, a lot going on, and uh, hopefully we'll have some cool news to share with you guys about like what some of that work entailed, and uh, hopefully some announcements to come in the future. But uh, kind of a sort of a soft announcement, I guess. Uh, it, I mean, normally you wouldn't consider this an announcement, but coming up on the site soon, probably by the time you listen to this, it may be up. Uh, we're recording this Tuesday, uh, March twenty second, and. This week, ideally maybe Wednesday morning of this week, uh, we'll have posted an interview, uh, Mega Man 2, that you conducted a while back. I guess, how long ago was this? Um, exactly a year ago. But it's with a... Com- Takashi Tateishi, composer of Mega Man 2. It's Takashi. But yeah, a, a, an interview with this composer who, as you'll find out in the interview when it posts, like just was so unaware of the reach of Mega Man 2's music and hasn't done that many interviews at all in the past you know 20 years or so yeah it's insane uh, i mean it's often that i uh, meet composers who uh know that their music is a little bit uh popular in the west like with with keiji uh composer of ninja gaiden he knew that uh, ninja gaiden was popular in the west and he watched people uh, remix it with guitars and rock bands and all of that so he knew that but at the same time he didn't think that a lot of people actually care about his music and chip tunes but with Takashi he really doesn't seem like he knows anything about Mega Man 2 fans uh, outside of Japan and um, according to him no one even in Japan approached him and talked to him about it uh, I I don't know why. Maybe because he himself didn't really talk about Mega Man too much when he left uh, Capcom, uh, and then later on went to Konami. According to him, when when, when he was with Mishiro Yamane and all the other composers, he didn't say that. Hey, I I composed Mega Man too. And according to him, it's because he, Konami had a lot of really talented, cool composers, and he thought that well all of these good composers don't really need another new composers, which which is him. So he eventually uh, got into producing some of their games. I think he worked on Sweet Code in 3 before he quit from Konami. So um, he himself wasn't really sure that his music is good and that people like it. And, and he just went on with this thought until I met him. The first time I met him, it was in 2013, uh, and the second time last year in 2014 and uh, and this is the quote that I posted on Twitter and I talked about before in one of the last episodes is that when I asked him when was his first experience of uh, hearing someone praise the music of Mega Man 2 and he said it's you when, you when we first met in 2013 and for the composer of Mega Man 2 to not know that people love his music for what 20-25 years yeah. is really just Sad. Especially for such a, a soundtrack that is like, I mean, among people who play games, at least in, like outside of Japan, it's like if you know any game soundtrack kind of by name or by reputation, it's usually Mega Man 2. And for yes. that word to not find its way back to him for years and years is, I mean, it's good to know that at least now he's getting some idea of it or... or but yeah yeah, it's just, man, it's nuts that it took that long. And I guess in the interview it, he mentions like you know, he got some inkling that the work he had done was good, maybe, but then he didn't feel like it was exceptional. Um, and I guess yeah. maybe the office culture back then was not to like give too many pats on the back anyway. Um, yeah. So it, he just kind of then left and pursued, you know, other stuff at other companies. Um, I, I'm putting together a VG Empire actually, and his name came up, and I didn't realize uh, during his time at Konami, it, he's credited for being in uh, Batman Returns for any for the NES. And I wonder, like, based on the interview, I don't remember him mentioning that, but the music is, like, in the Batman Returns NES game, based on the movie from 92, like, mm. it does feel very Mega Man-y, but with Konami sounds instead of the Capcom sounds that you associate with the NES. 
So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those soundtracks I kind of discovered and was like, wow, this is really good. And if it if it is actually him, then uh, that's just one other little feather in his cap. I feel. Yep, and uh, uh, I think it's uh, it's. I mean, with, with Manami, for example, Manami Matsumai, the composer of Mega Man One. Yeah. Um, she didn't really quit, but she she just kept a low profile. So when I. Uh, when I started working with her, uh, she already had done Dragon Quest uh, something swords. Uh, it's a Wii game, yeah, uh, and a few other games. So she was still uh, making music, but uh, not, not not as much as now. But with uh, Takashi, he just he just stopped making music. Uh, um, right now, he has his own uh, music production company. It's called Most Company, but he doesn't do any actual composing. Uh, mm-hmm. He works with other artists and musicians. Um, so he. They didn't really make uh, music until um, his return for Mighty Number no. Nine and for uh, Brave Wave album that we've been working on together since I don't know 2013 maybe uh, 2014. But uh, uh, he, he's just like his his legacy and the way he uh, stepped away from games is just vastly different from all the others. And and all NES composers have their own little stories about how they quit and why they did it and but they shifted to for example a kagiyama of gimmick he he stopped making music and he mostly concentrated on photography and he's been a professional photographer for the past 20 years maybe but to see takashi just step away from making music and even when he founded his own um, music production company he acted as a producer slash uh ceo instead of of uh, having an active uh role making music yeah. uh and and later on just discovering that people actually like his music i think it's a it's a pretty interesting uh story and he i don't think he did many interviews uh i think he did a maybe a eight years ago interview with square enix music website uh, I do remember reading an interview with him and manami matsumai but i think that's it he, he just he he didn't really appear in interviews and uh, uh it's definitely a long interview as well long in a good way where you you cover a lot of yeah. ground so even even an interview from eight years ago even if it was discussing certain aspects of his career like this seems like maybe the most thorough one he's had yeah yeah i think so and uh um my perspective at the time is that uh, last year uh, when i went to japan i was there for three weeks and uh, one of the reasons i stayed for so long is because i wanted to interview a bunch of uh, NES Famicom composers that I knew because I was planning to make a book uh, uh, about just Famicom composers because uh, these are people who don't really um, get interviewed and not a lot of people know much about them. And I thought it would be uh, cool since I know a lot of them to just sit down with them, interview everyone I know and just put all of that into a book. But... That was before uh, we, we we locked into Street Fighter 2 and all the new Generation Series albums. And we have just so much work right now that yeah. I'm not sure I'll ever get to finish that uh, book just because I have so many other things to do. So when I started talking about the interview in this podcast, a lot of people have asked me to just share more about Takashi uh, more from the interview that I did and I thought well instead of just keeping it locked for I don't know five more years I would just uh, transcribe it and put it because I know people really want to read anything about Mega Man 2 especially from someone who doesn't normally talk about it publicly yeah yeah, it's a perspective that like the world largely has not seen <laughs> From the one person that you'd be like, oh, surely the composer of one of the most popular soundtracks uh, has commented on this work. And it turns (laughs) out not really. Um, Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, we'll be posting that up on uh, bravewave.net. So if you're listening to this and uh, it's past Tuesday the 22nd, odds are it's it's up and live. And you can also, of course, Bravewave on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure they'll be tweeting links to it as well. Um, But you also want to talk about just the game in general like we're five episodes into the podcast and certainly one of the most influential reasons why any of us are into game music is Mega Man 2 um but it's not just the music it is also the entire game like everything about it. there's plenty of games from that era that have exceptional soundtracks that influence people but this is one of those games that like firing on all cylinders in a way that 
so few games ever do. Yeah, and I think um, I think I, I love Mega Man too, and I think uh, well, everyone loves Mega Man too. But I think a lot of people, because of Mega Man two, they they don't think fondly of the original, which I think was really just a massively. Mm good game and uh, yeah. even if you just take it on its own uh with today's standards uh it has some rough spots but i think in general it was a really good game that just needed extra time extra attention to reach its potential and i think Mega Man 2 came really close to that i i, I have just a few complaints uh with Mega Man 2 but it's just it's just so much fun especially to me um being able to play any level uh, and 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 sometimes most of the time when you finish a stage and get the weapon that weapon would work on more than just one boss. Um, maybe the most famous one is of course the metal blade. It, yeah. it, it kills almost almost all the bosses. Yeah, and I mean in a uh, game built around mostly X and Y movements like horizontal and vertical, a weapon that fires eight directions kind of breaks the whole yes. game on, on top of that. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it's uh, I usually just finish Metal Man stage at the beginning just to get uh the Metal Blade and cheese my way through the game just because it's really so much fun. Uh, uh I could I can easily finish the game uh, with only the Mega Buster, but I think it's the Metal Blade just makes it uh a lot more fun just uh, go yeah. through the levels and back uh, in like 80, uh, 88 89 even like the idea of even eight like things that fire eight ways in a 2d side scroller like that it's in and of itself was notable not many games even had a thing where you could shoot that many directions at once or or even it was always like i can i can shoot straight and then i can jump and shoot and then maybe i can just hold up and fire straight up but the idea of yes and then that's just one of eight weapons you get, plus the buster. It's like, this is kind of nuts. The amount of, you know, the arsenal that you have is, yeah. at the time, very rare thing to have in a game. Yeah, and, and like, if, if, you, if you think of games like Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden was one of the games where when they give you a power-up, you really, you really cherish it because, you know, it's just, it's going away soon. But with yeah. Mega Man, when you get the Metal Blade, it just, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't... Uh, you can't really wear it out. You have to just maybe maybe only if you use it continuously throughout the level. But even then, like I'm thinking, if, if you're playing it uh, just totally new, you probably would be just changing between all the weapons you have, yeah. uh, and it's just it it feels really good to have a lot of weapons because um, today while I was playing it, I was mostly just finishing the levels with the. Uh, Mega Buster, and then when I reach the boss, I would just change to the weapon that's uh, most effective to them. But I can imagine back then when you finish a boss and two bosses or three bosses, and you're walking with your own Mega Buster and three other weapons, and all of them are really powerful. It it really feels great, and I don't think any other game did that back then. Uh, yeah, it was just such a like I got into it. I was lucky enough to play the first one before the second one was out so like i remember renting Mega Man one and being really impressed with it even as i was probably only eight i guess so not that i was that discerning of a person um at eight years old but it still stood out to me and the, the sprite and little details like in 87 88 that the character blinks and has all this expression and like it was just not common because it was still so early in the nes and you can talk about yeah like maybe it's a little rough around the edges and has some some weirdness to it at times, especially compared to later ones, but you compare it to everything else that was out at the time, and it just felt it felt so beyond what I, everything else I was playing. And then yeah. reading a Nintendo Power with, you know, here in the U.S., like, you know, as famous as a, ma a game cover can be for a magazine, uh, this Mega Man 2 issue for Nintendo Power is like, almost anyone between the age of 25 and 40 in the U.S. is like, oh yeah, I remember that issue of Nintendo Power, because it was like this... You know, we they built a little model of the Wily ship and these little clay Mega Man running away on the jet sled, and and then like eight or eight or twelve pages about just Mega Man Two with all this art and these maps of the levels, and it just really it was total propaganda magazine. That's what it was there to do, <laughs> but it totally worked. And then renting Mega Man Two, I didn't own it till maybe a year after it came out. I think I bought it from a video store. Yeah, just being that, that's one of the first games outside of like Zelda and maybe Metroid that I was just like completely obsessed with was one and two. And two just felt like everything I liked about the first one, but 
bigger sprites, better level design, cooler weapons, and more of them. Uh, incredible music. Like it was just, yeah. It, it's it's almost hard to talk about now because I've talked about it so much over ten years in the games industry in various in varying degrees. It's like I feel like I've talked about it like as ev- on every level that can be talked about. Um, which is why this interview that you did was so interesting because it's like I've, everyone else has talked about this to death and now you can finally hear this you know the words from the man himself like it's just very refreshing yeah and i think uh what's really uh impressive about mega man 2 is that when you go back and see what mega man 9 was about it was mm-hmm. basically just trying to follow the steps of mega man 2 and uh, i remember when when news of mega man 9 broke out a lot of people were uh uh, a little bit disappointed that it doesn't have like Mega Man. He he can't slide. You can't charge. And when you uh, read Inafune's uh, uh, comments on that, uh, and also Integrates, they just say that they wanted to go back to the simple gameplay of Mega Man Two, and they they realized that Mega Man Two is the one that most people prefer. And I I, I think. From from the six NES games, Mega Man Two is probably my favorite, just because it's uh, with Mega Man Three. I think it was a little bit difficult, and the uh, the the dark the dock stages. I forgot what they're called yeah, after the, you finish the, the, the dark robot or the wily robot stages. Yeah, or... they're really super hard to me. Even though I, I'm I'm generally good at the game, but that like. Whenever I reach those four stages, I just think, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna close the game, just because they're yeah. too challenging. Uh, four, I, I, I just, I just hate most things about it. Yeah, uh, I'm I don't not a big like fan the level design. Either. Don't like much of the music. Uh, five and six were underrated, but two to me, it just struck that yeah. uh, feeling of just being yeah. uh, almost balanced. Uh, maybe, maybe the the one section that I dislike about the game is the wall boss yeah and that's maybe wily three yeah wily four boss is uh definitely the worst section of the game because it is it's too easy to get like if you kind of have to go in knowing tricks like how to get around yes. it and if you don't then you've exhausted the one weapon it's weak against and now another thing that as the years go by i think something i don't entirely like about Mega Man having the finite ammo that's then hard to get like it's just random drops, so it's like yeah, I can totally through no fault of my own really just get kind of back against the wall, and then I have to just start the whole stage over. And when you're a little kid, that area is pretty difficult. So to do it again and again is like, well, I'm glad uh, Nintendo Power told me that he's weak against the crash bombs, and uh, that I need to use this you know item one here and item three here. Like yeah. without that, yeah, it's this one weird area where everything else seems really polished, and then there's this one spot that's like just a almost a literal brick wall uh, that yeah. you can hit, and just yeah, and then. But I do I do feel overall, like you said, like it, it's the sweet spot. Like two to me builds everything else just extends from two because three is like well here's two, but now you can slide and uh, rush takes the place of these other items. But the rush marine mm. is kind of like well so what it doesn't you use it like twice and you can also never use it. Um, here's this, well, here's eight bosses and then four Wily, but what if we extended the game with uh, recycling some content and, you know, we reuse some sprites of these stages and here's four more things you can do. And it's like, well, okay, maybe, but it does feel a little cheap. Like, I've already went through these stages and seeing battle damage versions of the stages is kind of interesting, but then as you go mm. on with four, five, six, it's like, okay, so now you just established this pattern of four, like eight bosses, four other things, and then four Wily stages. And it just, I, I kind of find that personally, I just run out of steam uh, interest in almost any of them. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that sweet spot is eight bosses, four, th- four Wily stages. And then, you know, yeah, more like five, I, I guess, by the time it's all wrapped up. Um, mm. But once you had four more things and. It, like the story considerations of oh it's Doctor Cossack it's Do- it's Proto Man it's Mister X it's like well none of this yeah. really matters though like <laughs> just because the Wily levels are supposed to challenge you they're the most challenging especially with uh, with Mega Man Nine to me I mean I'm really good at the game but Mega Man Nine and Mega Man Ten have really super challenging Wily levels and you don't really want eight of those it's just too yeah. much uh, I, uh, when Mega Man Nine came out I used to think that. 
the only fault in it to my eyes was that it didn't have like those extra four levels but the more i played the game and the more i, I, I the more i played the other games in the series i realized that four uh sorry eight bosses and four super hard levels is just the, the perfect balance just because it, it really wears you out by the end it, mm-hmm. and every uh, level is uh, almost every level is really challenging. Uh, with Mega Man 3, it wasn't like that. That the Doc Robert stages were really very hard, but uh, the Wild stages were extremely easy. Mm-hmm. And they balanced that a little bit with with four, five, and six. But I think uh, Mega Man 2 just nailed everything. And uh, I do love three. And uh, yeah, I do like three. Generally speaking, yeah, uh, uh, three. Uh, uh, Akira Kitamura, the the co-creator of Mega Man, he didn't really uh, work on it, so he basically handed uh, the series to Inafune and his team, but uh, he gave general uh, instructions that I think were all, like, good calls. He told them uh, not to update the basic gameplay system, and I'm reading this from the Shmoplations interview with Kitamura and... uh, uh, illustrator Arika, we, we'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told the team not to update the basic gameplay system. He told them to change the items one, item two, item three to a robot dog, which is Rush. Mm-hmm. And he told them to introduce a new prototype robot number zero zero zero, uh, and and he would be Mega Man's mysterious brother. And that ended up being uh, Proto Man. Yeah, and I think all of those are really great uh, ideas and uh, I personally love the slide just because it doesn't really change uh, the gameplay drastically it just adds a fun element when for example fighting the bosses uh, you could do more than just jump and shoot you could just do some acrobatics when fighting Gemini Man for example yeah yeah, yeah. but with 4 I think it it, it just got messy with the charge shot just because you suddenly have a strong weapon that you can use all the time and why would you just why would you ever use the mega buster if if you have the charge shot so you'd be charging all the time and this kind of to me it ruined the balance of of uh the series up to all the new games sadly uh maybe except uh, mega man 9 and 10 but uh, to, to to simplicity, I think um, be, be, a lot of people think of it as too simple compared to four, even even to three. But to me, it's just it's it's too perfect, too good. As I grew up, I kind of started equating them to like Tony Hawk. Like Tony Hawk Two is Mega Man Two. Tony Hawk Three is Mega Man Three. After mm. two and three, which like two is this like just mwah, I'm making a I'm making a you know. Sp- spicy meatball gesture it's uh it's it's beautiful and then three is like well you know it's everything i liked about two it's just a little bit more and you could argue that maybe it's too much you could also argue that it's actually more refined so it's better it's like there'll always be this great argument between two and three you get to four and beyond and it's like well their ideas are let's just add more 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 and i get why as a marketing department and even r&d where you're like well we can't just make the same thing again we got to add something so, but then you end up with like the more you tack on, the more you distance from that core gameplay experience that got everyone hooked in the first place. So it's a very yep. difficult position to be in where you get you have to innovate and you have to add to it. But you know, by the time you get to Tony Hawk Four, it's like I'm off the board playing tennis with a skateboard, and it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I like climbing the walls to get to like some NPC to do a quest or something? And then you like. I just want to like skate through a school and like grab cassettes and like get the highest score I can. And it it was working great up to this point, but I understand you have to change it up. So then you get to four and it's like, well, let's, let's add this buster and then five. like, okay, we'll refine the buster a little bit. And actually we're going to, I don't know. Then six, it's like, here's the, you know, this flying different armors and, uh, certain certain stages end in like a split path where now you can go back and f- fight the real boss for this medallion and it's they're all totally fine ideas it's just the more and more stuff you stack on you I, I don't know I get less interested the more there is I just feel like eh, I don't need to do all that and I just stop playing and so as a kid by, I think I rented 4 twice and then didn't play 5 till I was an adult and then now I, I actually really like 5 a lot at this point 
Yeah, me too. Uh, um, and then six, I didn't play at all again, like not even once till way late in the game. But then realized like it actually does a lot of cool stuff. That's that's pretty fun. But yeah, just it, it turned me off, and it, it took a great effort to get me back in. Um, same way with Tony Hawk. It's like two and three, this beautiful sweet spot. And then the more they add, it's just like uh, I remember when this was just about like skating and this pure experience, and not well, we got to have all these guest stars and like what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with the Tony Hawk comparison, and uh, I think with, with games like Mega Man, if you just uh, if you just make a new game and, and, and design like super good levels, people would still see that as lacking because I don't know. Yeah, they would. Something about us makes us see games that do more of the same as just that. We just think, well, it's more of the same. It's, it's not exciting. It doesn't do a lot of new things, and when a game tries to uh, complicate its system or maybe make it more interesting and fails at that we, we would just say that you know it was perfect and you would you, you wouldn't need to mess with it and I, I I do feel for the struggle and I know that they really wanted to do something different with all the latter games but I think uh, Mega Man was just uh, uh, really a fantastic achievement and the music is, is just one of those things that uh, I think I think it's tiring to even to even praise it just because <laughs> everyone knows that and everyone yeah. loves the music of Mega Man 2 um, and that's that's one of the things that I talked with Takashi about in the interview about uh, the Wily stage one because it's it's one of the most well known themes uh, in video games and uh, he did say that they they made this it was one of the very last uh, themes that they finished and in the Shmoplations interview Kitamura says that one day uh, Takashi came to him and he just he he called Kitamura and told him, you know, he was smiling and told him, I just finished something awesome. And it was Wally stage one. And it's really awesome that he knew that. Like, they both of them knew that it was something special. It was something else. Uh, and and it's it's probably the most famous... Uh, well, it's not probably. It's, it's definitely the most famous Mega Man 2 track. Uh... Uh, and uh, Mega, Mega Man track in general, uh, yeah. the, the whole series, not just the classic series. And uh, I think it's one of the things that cemented the idea of Mega Man always having good music. Uh, not to belittle like Mega Man 1 or, or, or even the other games, but when I know a lot of people who don't really know much about Mega Man, but they know the Wily Castle theme and yeah. uh, they just got to the idea of Mega Man having cool music so when they get to finally play the games they come with the expectation that these games are supposed to have good music even though they actually only know one one theme and I find that's really very cool because when I think of games like uh, Metroid or Mario or any of the any of the AAA games uh, I mean I love all their music but something about Mega Man that makes makes the music the almost like as important as the gameplay is uh, and, and the level design it's something that you constantly think about uh while you're thinking about the game uh unlike many other uh, uh franchises yeah. which I think is really uh awesome and one thing that I truly love about Capcom and uh, I I think this was all just uh, a big coincidence but they brought a different composer for every single Mega Man game. Um, for Mega Man 1, it was Manami Matsumai, and then they promoted her to the arcade section, and they brought Takashi to do Mega Man 2. And I don't know what happened with him. I don't know why they brought, they brought a new composer for Mega Man 3. It was uh, Pon Pon and Harumi Fujita. Uh, she did three tracks and then Pun Pun took over because uh, she got pregnant. And then uh, Mega Man 4 was Mirai Fuji. Mega Man 5 was Maria Maguchi. And I forgot who did uh, Mega Man 6. And it's, it's really awesome to see that every game had a totally different composer, yet yeah. they kind of all have the same feeling maybe except for Mega Man 5 Mega, Mega Man 5 to me was too jazzy oh yeah uh, and I it took me a lot of years to to like that because at the beginning I really 
dislike Mega Man 5's uh, soundtrack except for a few tracks uh, but right now I just love it and I, I think Mega Man, Mega Man 10's soundtrack is a little bit uh, like Mega Man 5 where it's not like 9. 9 to me felt like it was trying to imitate 2 a lot which is a good thing I don't mind that and 10 tried to just do something different uh, like Chill Man stage was was very yeah. uh, much like uh, stuff that you can find in Mega Man Five, and that's something I appreciate about the classic series in general, and uh, that everyone really have its own uh, feel and atmosphere and whole music, and and uh, I I still love that a lot. Uh, I just played through some of the games today, Mega Man One, Two, Five, and it's just uh, a beautiful collection of of uh, games and I, I wonder what's your favorite among them Brett uh, of the classic six it's definitely two uh, and then I mean even my top five games of all time which I don't put a lot of thought into these days but mm. I know if I sat down and was like alright I want to figure I know Mega Man 2 is going to be in that top five um, and then after working on the legacy collection um, for most of 20 what was it twenty. 15, I think we pitched mm. it at the beginning of 2014 even and getting it through all that process in 14 and then to 15 so I started replaying I had sort of a blank spot for 4, 5 and 6 um, mm. rediscovered how much I did love 1 I'd like totally forgotten I, I love playing through Mega Man 1 I, I love that it's only 6 bosses and the why these stages aren't very long and like I can run through it in like 25 minutes and it's just this fun like Ah, I just finished Mega Man One, uh, like on over lunch or something, and mm. that's a nice feeling. And then uh, playing five more and more, I think five might be my second favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Which as a, as a kid, in most of my life, it would be like, oh, three is probably my second favorite. But the more I played them, I'm like, there's just something about five that I really enjoy. It's very easy, and maybe that's yeah. part of it. But uh, I don't know. I just I like the way the Buster the the charge shot looks and feels in that more than mm. four i think the stages and the music itself is i like it more than four mm-hmm. uh i actually like the fake proto man those dark man bosses are just like yeah. lame <laughs> but i don't know man there's just something about five that i really enjoy um then i i mean it's outside the realm but i do like seven a lot i do like seven i i i don't really remember much of eight i do remember that i didn't like it back then and right now I feel like I should hate it but uh, oh. I have the Saturn version and I do have a Sega Saturn so yeah. I want to revisit it revisit it one of those days but I did play through Mega Man 7 I think last year or maybe the year before and I did enjoy it except for the final boss it was just too he's a, taxing he's too a, annoying he's a treat um, yeah I looked yeah. up uh, the Mega Man 6 composer uh, Yuko Takahara um, yes. Looking on the Wikia page, I mean, she's credited as music composer for like Aladdin, for Super NES, Mega Man X, uh, Street Fighter Mega Alpha. Man X, yes. Yeah, Street Fighter Alpha. And the Mega Man 7 says sound composer. I don't know if that's a distinction between music versus, you know, making sound versus uh, I, composing music. Uh, she did uh, She did work on Mega Man 7, Mega Man X, which is just insane. Like, she, like 6, 7, and X all have really good music. Yeah, I they're think, all very I think 7 is really too. underrated with that. Uh, a lot of people just 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 don't like maybe the physics or the gameplay that much, and mm-hmm. they just shun the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, with me, my favorite is is nine. For some reason, it just captures everything I love about Mega Man. With just just the the level design to me uh, fixes. Well, it doesn't fix anything in two. It just that it it took a lot of inspiration from all the classic games, and I feel that Integrates they really spent a lot of time figuring out what makes a Mega Man level good and they just amplified that uh, with 9 and while it was really difficult it was really very enjoyable to me and uh, uh, the Wily levels are still um, tough for me even though I I finished the game without taking a hit Uh, that was way back in 2008 2009 I think it was 2009 uh, and it, it's it's my favorite game to play, and it's a shame that there's no other way to play it but to boot up my Wii U and go right. into the Wii mo- mode. Like I I wish for Mega Man Nine and Ten to be available on the 3DS because 
Um, I did buy the Legacy Collection on the PlayStation 4, and mm. of course I enjoy that. I've always played Mega Man, you know, on Virtual Console and all of that. But having these, uh, like the whole collection on 3DS, um, even though I had the Virtual Console games before, but something about the Legacy Collection that just makes it much more fun. It's much faster to boot into the other games, and yeah. uh, you have the challenges. So yeah. it was a really fantastic. Uh, to me, it's a fantastic uh, collection, and uh, uh, they issued patches that fix all the sound issues that they had before. Uh, and the 3DS one, I think, it, it shit without any problem with the music. And like playing that just made me real- realize how awesome it would be to have like the rest of the classic series. Maybe maybe it's difficult to do eight, uh, and it would yeah, be awkward tough. to do seven, nine, yeah, was... ten. But yeah, it's tough because it's you past six you get into like it's different emulation or it's different like here's a 16-bit one here's a 32-bit one here's a next gen one that's not really the you know primitive 8-bit game that it looks like there's actually a lot going on uh so it it, i don't know it it became a much different thing outside the scope of what i know they wanted to do with the first six yeah so yeah but i mean and i do i do think that the legacy collection is just to me it's a perfect collection it it, i understand why uh the developer uh uh, i forgot their name uh digital eclipse yes uh i understand why they only went for the classic series and to me it, it, it makes sense uh but i'd love for Capcom to think about just porting that in ten, even to Steam, just because oh yeah, these games definitely are just... my last few, my last like year there was like I was lucky enough to get things like Legends on PSN and Breath of Fire yeah. Three finally came out and that was something I'd been picking away at with a lot of help from around the office uh, mm. for two or three years and that finally happened x4 and 5 and but yeah getting 9 and 10 to Steam was one of those other things where I was like you know what would be really cool but uh, it just that's a bit different than you know working with Sony and Nintendo to get things on. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, it's basically it's basically a, a, a contract job. You'd have to hire NT again, or I don't know any other dev to port it to Steam. Yeah, somebody'd have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I think uh, uh, Mega Man right now has really uh, a cool status between gamers because uh, it's in Smash, so a lot of kids uh, know him pretty well. And Legacy Collection just came out, so to me, it feels like it would be a great opportunity to do something with Nine and Ten to release a new game. And uh, I see some people posting. Uh, photos about the 50th anniversary of Battle Network so I'm trying to think if Capcom is is, is planning to uh, maybe make a new Battle Network game because I, I realized that it's uh, it was popular at the time. Yeah, it was huge. It, it um, was... It's one of the there's only so many games that Mega Man games that broke a million and one of the Battle Networks is one of them in the US or, or globally. I forget which one but it might be a Battle Network 3 or 4 um, mm, can't remember which one, but yeah, it was it was huge in the early two thousands for sure, mid mid two thousands even. Yeah, I I did enjoy the the first one, and I realized uh, that a lot of Mega Man fans don't truly really like these games just because they stray away from from the maybe the core of the series. But uh, I was definitely it, down on it at the time, uh, yeah. and unfairly so because in at my time at Capcom, I there was just some point like two or three years in where I'm like, all right, fine. I'll play Battle Network. And then I, I did, and I was like, oh, oh, this is actually pretty good. And yeah. the more I look at the character design, I really love all the reimagined bosses. Like, I really like this almost like 70s anime approach to some of the designs, like Rolls EXE. There's just some mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, like Jun the, Jun the Swan kind of approach to them that it seemed kind of retro yet kind of new. So, I, yeah, the visuals spoke to me more than I thought they would. And then. I, realizing what the game actually played like is like this is actually really smart like this is the kind of character you can spin off into different genres and it's like he yes. didn't, it didn't replace just because they were doing battle network didn't mean it was replacing what you know classic or x there were still classic and x games if anything yeah uh, my problem at the time was there's just too much mega man like you can't have yeah, five yeah, you can't right, have yeah. five different versions of this character exist at once like it's going to burn yeah. itself out and then now here we are getting into almost five years of there's not been a new real one since ten more or less and yeah but there was a period where it was like 
from like 2000 to 2005 it's like yeah legends is running uh network is running mega man and base battle uh i mean you're getting into the realm of powered up and maverick hunter x shortly after zx you have the whole zero series like uh not to mention x7 and 8 and and it's just like man this is so much mega man (laughs) Yeah, and, and uh, well, it's interesting that each each entry or maybe each uh, sub-series have its own atmosphere and mood and story and all of that. I yeah. really like the original vision of Kitamura, which is, uh, it's a really, it, it, to me, it feels like a sad uh, or maybe melancholic story because um, in that Shmoplation's interview, he says that Mega Man is the only robot that's uh, that's equipped with the ability to shut itself off. So, like, when it has nothing to do, when it goes and fixes, like, the war and everything, uh, and, and its duty is over, he would just shut himself off. And I think that's really sad for, for a, a game I'm that kids like that, but I love that. I love I love that uh, it, it had a sort of melancholic vibe to it and yeah. uh, I think that vibe shows in uh, like in while stage one in Mega Man 1 uh, while stage 2 while a little bit just have that kind of um, sad uh, it's the end of the world kind of yeah. feel there's definitely a, and, like this unspoken and unexplored territory of how classic leads to X and I know Inafune himself even said like oh you know we should never really explore precisely what happened like we we can infer, but we don't. You know, once once you do that, that's kind of it. Like Mega Man's kind of yeah. over, which I don't yeah. entirely agree with. I feel like, I mean, you don't you don't want to Clone Wars it like, uh, not not the cartoon, but like the movies of mm. Star Wars stuff where it's like, oh, how did Darth how did Anakin become Darth Vader? I don't really care. Uh, mm. You can infer, and I'll be like, oh, that's cool. That's neat that some crazy stuff went down and. Now we have this cool villain, and the same thing with X. It's like, how did we get here? What happened to Roll? What happened to Classic? What happened to Proto Man? And it, there's this unspoken assumption, like, well, they're all dead, and it probably wasn't pretty. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because between Base and Zero, like, like all like, and Wily being this disembodied energy or whatever, it's like, yeah, there's this real strong impression that things didn't go great. Uh, yeah. And maybe you should leave it at that. And there's certainly an argument to make for that. But then I also feel like that also sounds like the literal coolest part of the classic storyline you could ever tell is yep. the one that makes it mean something. Because everything from 1 through 10 is like a Saturday morning cartoon, which is great. Yep. But at some yeah. point, unless you're making new fans, like I don't know a 10-year-old out there who's like super into Mega Man, like classic Mega Man, uh, mm. which, I mean, I'm sure there are through their parents, but like... As a generational thing, there's not a generation of ten year olds worth right now who are like, Man, I love Mega Man and without that, that means you gotta get these twenty and thirty year olds to pay more attention to Mega Man. Um, yeah. I guess on that note though, there is a there's still this animated series that's in the works allegedly for twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh that was announced last year. So you gotta assume that's you know and that's the thirtieth anniversary of Mega Man on top of that. So mm-hmm. you gotta assume that leads to something. I have no idea. But I, I really hope. I just know that you don't put out a cartoon and not have like you know toys or or some something else to go with it. Like the the days of like here's just a cartoon. We spent a bunch of money making a cartoon. Like that doesn't happen really. Exactly. exactly there, there's yeah, some yeah. kind of merch, especially if it's based on a game. Like you got to assume, if not a game, then like some renewed push to get kids into it. Uh, yeah. Which, for all I know, could be a tablet thing, could be a mobile thing, because that's what. That like that's the kids that I do know that are under fifteen or under ten. That's what they're, you know, they don't have three DSs. They yeah. have they have phones and yeah. I and iPod touches. Like that's what they're using. So maybe you yeah. know, just thinking about that makes me sad. I know, me too. Um, but I would rather the character live on and mean something to people than not. And if it yeah. means yeah. if it means my heyday of jump and shoot man on a controller with two buttons is over, that's fine. There's ten games I can play that are really good. So yeah, and and one thing I truly appreciate uh, about Mega Man games is that uh, you can uh, you can really finish them in under an hour. And I I, I read in, in that Kitamura interview that like this was his goal. He wanted you to finish like like the Mega Man games in in, in an hour or so. And uh, uh, I remember I remember like the under an hour 
uh, time mark just because when I used to play Mega Man 9 uh, back in 2009, I played it so much. I, I I, I think I crossed the 500 hours in the Wii. Wow. Uh, and I know that because of the, uh, there was an application that lets you yeah. see how many hours you played. And I just played it so much. And every time you finish Mega Man 9, they tell you how long it took you. And I, I, th- I think I got down to 42 minutes. And that kind of made me realize that Mega Man games are actually short and you can finish like a bunch of them in one day if you want to and, yeah. and that makes it fun to just fire off the game and finish it in just in one go it's really easy to do that and uh, uh when you compare it to something like uh super mario Bros. 3 or war those are really meaty games and they require you to play for a long 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 stretch of times and you have to come back again and again but with Mega Man 1 it just it, it has a different philosophy in that yeah. you simply have to know the stages and get accustomed uh, fighting the bosses understand their weaknesses and then slowly once you get the hang of it you will easily finish the state the stages quickly uh, the weapons will make it easier to finish the rest of the stages and it would just be over quickly and that's that's much different than all the other uh platformers and i i really uh uh like that and uh the the level design in mega man games the way the the way the levels flow uh the way the uh the gameplay feels uh the physics and all of that no other platformer uh yeah. game in the genre just gives me that feeling like like this mixture of of really cool music and tight uh, physics and mechanics it's just it's, it's so precious and uh just like you said even even if we don't get new Mega Man games i really think we were extremely lucky to have Mega Man 9 and 10 because it just it, it seems crazy right now that uh capcom did that back then uh, I, I have no idea if they were really successful maybe not that much and uh, I, I i can see that they weren't really very cheap games to make just because designing levels just takes takes a lot of time uh people might look at 9 and 10 just just see that they're an 8-bit with yeah. tunes and they would think that is cheap but uh it's still it's still a full game you still have to design levels and uh, i've been seeing uh, marco our engineer uh make his own game for the past maybe mm-hmm. three years yeah. and he constantly tell, tells me that one of the things that or maybe the thing that takes all his time is just designing the levels because he would just spend weeks or even a month on just perfecting one level. And obviously it's different when you know when, when you have a team and you have a lot of people working on it, but it, that made me realize that designing levels have nothing to do with the look of the game. Yeah. And obviously uh, as you're designing levels, you need time and time is money when it comes to contracting jobs. So... That that made me think that well maybe Mega Man nine and ten were good enough financially but maybe maybe back then not worth it to Capcom but I hope we can I hope we can see a new game uh, I, I wish for a classic game but I know the X fans want a new X game and I I can't blame them yeah but even even like in the off chance that we don't actually get a new game which I don't think is possible for you know the enemy and everything that Capcom seems to be getting towards but even if there's no new game I feel like Mega Man had a really good run and ended perfectly with 9 and 10 and uh, these to me are two of my favorite in the series 9 is probably my all-time favorite game it makes me sad that a lot of people just skipped it just because it was a little bit too hard but uh yeah everything everything with Mega Man even 9 and 10 just always leads back to two which is yeah. uh truly amazing and i think uh uh even designing Mega Man 2 back then the kitamura and uh, takashi they said that they really didn't have all the time that they need which explains uh mm-hmm. uh things like the that wily stage four boss uh i think kitamura mentioned that in the interview and he said that uh he should have uh, like fixed that or balanced that but they didn't have the time but for such a tight schedule to produce such a nearly perfect game is just unimaginable especially in these yeah. days and that was a fun anecdote they mentioned in that in the interview of the whole the the rumor of oh we had to make this 
on off hours or in between other things and he's like well not really like i mean yeah. it was it was one of many things we were doing but yeah, i wouldn't i wouldn't exactly. call it like overtime or as a separate project it or like we weren't allowed to work on it during office hours or something yeah so while we were um working on this episode uh, reading about the game and editing the interview with takashi i thought of asking uh one of our composer friends at Brave Wave to do something for us. And I approached uh, Takahiro Izutani. He's the composer of, uh, co-composer of Bayonetta uh, 1 and 2. He worked on various Metal Gear games, uh, notably Metal Gear Solid 4. And I asked him to uh, make a remix for Quick Man Stage. So we'll be uh, playing the whole uh, remix at the end of it and it's, it's, a, it's a mellow remix that I really love a lot uh, it's a different take on Quick Man stage just because uh, a lot of remixes focus on that uh, like speed and intensity of the theme but yeah. uh, Zetani just took it and played it really low and we'll offer it for a we'll offer the remix for a free download so you can go to uh, you can go to the show notes at bravewave.net slash five uh, and you'll find the SoundCloud link or you can just go to soundcloud.com slash music, and you can find the remix with the ability to download it if you want to uh, in a high quality WAV file. So we hope you guys like it. Yeah, I'm, I actually haven't heard this yet, so I'm I'm personally very excited to check this out. Quick Man is one of my favorite songs from the game, so uh, to hear it redone in this style should be pretty cool. Yeah, and so taking us out, we'll actually give you a preview of it. Uh, it's playing underneath us now, but uh, we'll fade up and play the last bit of it. But yeah, thanks for listening. You can uh, find more of the albums for Brave Wave at store.bravewave.net. Uh, we still have, most recently, uh, Retroactive Part 2 from Keiji Yamagishi. I've been listening to it almost every day on my commute uh, to and from uh, the recording studio here. Street Fighter 2 Definitive Soundtrack, I think you mentioned you've just wrapped up the, the vinyl basically ready to go. We'll be contacting shortly with shipping information. We'll see you next time.